You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. All right, good morning, my Real Life family. How are you? Glad to have you here as we tackle this mountain of art. We are talking about the seven mountains of culture and how the church should go about potentially engaging these mountains. And today is a mountain that, um, unfortunately, I think the modern church really doesn't know what to do with it. And so uh, we're going to try to tackle this um, in a way that I, hopefully will challenge you. Uh, if you are a creative person and you have been sitting in church going, where is my place? I hope that today at some level will set you free. Um, and so I want to invite us to consider this, like what role does art play in the world? And um, so we're going to talk about that. I, we are going to, I'm going to give us a working definition of art And I know that you'll want to nuance it and change it and adapt it and move it around and all that stuff. And that is okay. But for our purposes today, in this sermon, in this space, we're going to have a working definition of art so that we know kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about art. So here's what it is. Art is creating things that elicit an emotional response. Now, initially, I, I was like, art is like, creating things that are beautiful and that inspire and whatever. But some of art isn't that way. It's, it's equally emotionally, like it draws out an emotional response, but it's dark and it's hard and it's yucky. And, and I feel like to neglect that part of art, like some of it is grotesque and perverted and unnecessary, let's be honest. But there's a lot of art that is just dark and hard and pensive and difficult. And I look at it and go, I don't know what to do with what that does inside of me. And that's part of life, right? Like art is equally expressing a piece of life there that is important. It's important for us to recognize. Because in the church, like there was a period in church history where we used to set the standard for art. Like the church didn't just use art, the church set the standard for what art was. And and somewhere along the way, we became pragmatic and functional. And if if it has a purpose, then we use it. But if it's not, if it doesn't have some sort of a functional purpose, then we have no use for uh, this, whatever it is. And art is one of those things that's, it's beautiful. And it's, that's it. it. And so we don't have a use for it. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Because we deny a piece of the image of God when we say that. We don't have a use for art. We don't have a use for those things. And here's why. I don't know if you know this, but in the beginning, God created. Like before he ever created it, before there was ever function or purpose or reason or pragmatism or usefulness, before there was any of those things God created. You know why? Because God's a creative God. God loves art. He loves it. He loves beauty just because it's beautiful. It, we were, you know, we were traveling around Turkey and, and I was with this group. It was a great experience. I was with this group of people who kept, like they kept commenting like, man, Turkey is beautiful. And it is. Now, I don't know what they were expecting, but Turkey is beautiful. It's gorgeous. And there's these 
big, rugged mountains. And as we're driving through these mountains, and my wife was like, man, look at those mountains. They're just gorgeous. And it hit me this question, like, why did God make mountains? No, you can say, well, they create the ecosystem and the sun of the mother. Nope. <laughs> That's a byproduct. That's what happens. Like, why did God make them? God could have done anything. He could have just been like, okay, clouds, stay here for a minute. Build up some pressure. Okay, now we're going to move again. Like, he doesn't need mountains to do that, right? Like, why did God make mountains? Here's why. Because they're pretty. Because... <laughs> There's no functional purpose for mountains that mountains, like we need mountains for this, right? God made mountains because they're beautiful. God made, God created because God is a creative God. He loves art. God loves beauty. And if you don't believe me, I want to read a passage of scripture for you. And in this passage of scripture, I want to talk through what's going on. This is Exodus chapter 35. And what's happening here is that this is, they're actually executing on what God has said to build the tabernacle. All the pieces that are going inside the tabernacle. Now understand this. Once the tabernacle is completed, there's going to be about five people that see what actually gets put into all of this. All of this work, all this effort, all this energy is for like a handful of people actually to see. So this isn't about putting God on display to the world. This is about doing something because God appreciates beauty. And I want you to see what God says for them to do. Exodus 35. Let every skillful craftsman among you. Now what kind of craftsmen are we looking for? Good ones, right? Not ones like me. Like they tell me they put a piece of clay on a wheel and they said, pump this thing. And I'm keeping the beat, <laughs> right? And it's spinning and I'm like, I so got this. They're like, make a bowl. All you got to do is push your thumbs in it. And all of a sudden it started to do, it looked like a bread twist when I was done with it. Like I cannot, if I can't fix it with my mouth, it will not get done. That is the truth. I'm the opposite of mechanically inclined. I can verbally tell you how a car engine works, but ask me to pull a bolt out of it and I will break the tools. Like, that's just the truth. It's just the truth. It's me. So I'm not one of the people that they're talking about here, okay? This is, these are the skillful kinds. And, and so that's important. Skillful craftsmen among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases. The ark with its poles. By the way, the ark, covered in gold, plated all the way around. How many people saw it? One guy, one day a year, for about an hour. All that gold going into something for one person to see for about an hour a year. Such a waste of resources. I don't want to give my money to that organization. I want my money to go to the mission. <laughs> I'm not bitter about how you talk about church money at all. Zinger. All right. The mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles. Oh, by the way, gold. And all its utensils, also gold. And the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils, all gold. 
And the oil for the light, which is the best of the olive oil. It's the first pressing, the extra, extra virgin olive oil. And the altar of incense, which was gold. With its poles, which were gold. And the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. And the screen for the door and the door for the tab- of the tabernacle. And the altar of burnt offering was also gold. With the grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, and the basin and its stand. <laughs> why? Like, why so much money being put? So useless. This is so unfunctional. Right, because God loves art. God loves beauty. He does. Like, just because it's pretty. The hangings of the court, its pillars and bases, and the screen for the gate of the court. The pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords have finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place. Now check this out. If you were going to actually be able to go into the holy place, you had to put on a certain outfit, right? And a certain outfit was made out of the finest linen that they could make. This was not Ross or Old Navy or like so a clearance rack. That's how I shop, clearance rack. Why? Because I'm too pragmatic. That's a, this is Saks Fifth Avenue. Like this is... A big deal, right? These are, these are garments that are like, whoa, you're putting on something. Like you put it on and it's like this shirt is perpetually giving you a hug. Like it feels like love. Uh, why? Why? Like nobody's going to see you. So for God, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as the priest. Like God loves beauty just because it's beautiful. For it, it serves this purpose. And art, whether it's music or paintings or pictures or poems or sculptures or whatever it is, like art elicits in us this emotional thing that we're just like, ugh. I, no, no amount of rational conversation could ever bring out what art does in, in a second because that's what art is supposed to do, like movies, drama, plays, whatever, like whatever you can, whatever art you think about when you think about art, what it's, what it's designed to do is to elicit emotion, which is a piece of us. And when we deny that, we deny not only a piece of ourselves, but we deny a piece of the very nature of God. So like when you're like, I don't want to have anything to do with art. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm a, I'm a minimalist. I don't want anybody, blah, blah, blah. We're like, whatever. Minimalism is art. Like how you arrange your house. Take somebody who's highly organized and give them a messy desk and watch them. They'll step back and be like, it's art to them, right? It's beauty, function. It's beautiful, of course, Why? Because it's in us. And when we function and we allow art to do what it does to us, it opens up this understanding of who God is in us that nothing else can. Nothing else can. So I want to make a point. I want to prove my point. I want to show you some pictures. And I want to show you several pictures. These are all, uh, most of these are pictures that were given to me by uh, artists that are already in our congregation. These are people that have just shared what the, the eye that God has given them to see this. Okay, so I want to show you this first, first photo. Uh, see? That's what, ooh, I, I love that. That's what art does. And I love this because this is local. Here's what that means. I saw this sunset, but I didn't capture it. 
Do you understand the difference? Like, I, I didn't have an eye. I didn't see that. I, I was there. I was there, but I didn't see that. Look at the next photo. Look at that. Look at the detail in the grass. I love that. Look at the next photo. Why did God make art, make water able to reflect images? Because it's pretty. Uh Next photo. Look at that. That's Paradise Ridge. Next photo. I love that photo. That is just, I look at, that moves me. Now, here's the thing. Who would have thought? I'm going to take a picture of that sunset, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my camera, and I'm going to put it two inches away from a piece of barbed wire, and I'm going to snap the photo that way. If, if for me, I'd be like, why would you do Oh. Oh, that's why you would do that, because that's freaking awesome. Maybe sunsets and landscapes aren't your thing. Let me show you some other photos. Bam! Ha! That's art. That's art. That's what it does. This is baby Theo. Um, He's a local. He's one of us. (laughs) This is baby Theo. Uh, Let's look at another one. Avalon. That is a head full of mischief right there. And that picture captures her so, like, it's art, and this is what art does. You can see what it does inside of you, right? Now, let's look at another photo. Look at that. I love this picture. What is that little girl thinking as she looks at her mom? Like, there's a story being told without speaking words, and it elicits a response inside of me, right? Maybe, Maybe landscapes and people aren't your thing. How about this? And all the men are back. Like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, look at that beggar. Right? It's art. That's not just a motorcycle. That's a piece of art, right? Let's look at the next photo. Look at that. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, here's the thing. You don't even have to like choppers. You'd be like, I hate motorcycles. They're the death trap, right? Like, but you look at that and go, okay, somebody, that's a, that's a piece of art, right? Like, you can appreciate that. What about this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hedonists, every one of you. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that, that's cool. Look at this, look at this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, look at that. That is oh, that's such a nice. That one, here's the deal. I would take that one if somebody gave it to me for free. I would, because anything free is worth saving up for. You know what I'm saying? As I look at this picture, the emotion that it elicits in me is October is Pastor Appreciation Month. I just... (laughs) It tells a story without saying words. That was the story it told me. I don't know about you guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, now here's the deal. What if like cars and motorcycles, that really isn't your bag either. Okay, cool. Look at this photo. Now all the rest of you are back, right? Here's the thing. Like it's art because the picture itself is beautiful, but you know that's art because it's hard to cook a steak that perfect. Like that is, that takes a skill, And that skill is going to lead to me eating that steak, and I'm going to have an emotional response to that. 
right? I will. Art is creating things that elicit an emotional response. That's what it is. And that, that's now, for those of you that are like, oh, it's so unhealthy. It's so unhealthy. I got a picture for you too. One more picture. Bam. There's your salad. And see, this is what this one did. For half of you were like, oh, it's so good. That's so healthy. Good for you. And the other half of you were like, nah, I don't like salad at all. That's what art does. Art is this thing that elicits this emotional response. And it's not always the same emotional response, right? Like some of you really connected to baby Theo because that little boy is cute. And some of you really connected to the motorcycle. And you go, well, that's superficial. No, that's art. That's what art does. Art is a thing that we create to elicit emotional response. Right? And some of it's good and some of it's hard and some of it's reflective, some of it's introspective, some of it's outward, some of it's laughing and having a good time. Like this is art. Art brings out this whole world of emotion and experience for us that nothing else can. There's no amount of words that could do what those 14 photos just did to you. Like in all the years of preaching, I've never gotten so much emotion out of one sermon that those series of photos just got out of you, right? And that's okay. That's what art does. And so it opens up to us this world that we need to understand. So I want to ask this question as we move forward. Why does the church need art? Like, what is it, what is it even that we, that we need? And this is adapted from a four-part video series that a guy by the name of Scott Erickson did. Uh, and it's on YouTube. The, the URL is on your notes. Also, there's a QR code there that you can just scan with your phone, and it'll take you right there. Don't do it right now, because I'll hear you. Um, uh, but it's, this is adapted off of a four-part series. This guy, he was on staff for a time at a church in Houston as the pastor of art. Now, but you guys, that's such a waste of resources. Like, what would he even do? I, I submit for you the tabernacle. Um, like, stop worrying about wasting resources, right? It's not your call anyway. Just be faithful to give. That's your, that's your part. Why does the church need art? Here's the first reason why. Because art connects us to a bigger picture of who God is. It opens up pieces of God to us that we wouldn't understand otherwise. Look at, look at Psalm 8, 1 through 4. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Now, as David is reflecting in this psalm, give me his version of God. Like, is it this big, vast, amazing God or the tiny, small, intimate, close God? Which one is he reflecting on? Big God, you are huge, right? This, like this, the universe and this big stuff. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? David is saying, when I consider how vast the universe is and all the things that you've put in place, who am I that you would even notice me? Like, well, and if that's true, then how, how would I, how do I deal with my day in and day out struggles? How do I deal with those? Because if God is so busy holding the universe together, does he really have time for me? Like, that's a good question. David's pondering it. Look at how 
Jesus responds to it in Matthew chapter 6. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. What is Jesus' appeal to worry? You know how you stop worrying? Look at flowers. Why did God make flowers? Because they're pretty. Ask my wife. They serve no other purpose other than to make her smile. Right? And, and you can go, well, the flowers, the bees, the pollen, and the transfer of the butter. Shut up. Like that, that happens, but that's not why God made them. God made them because they're nice to look at. He could have had pollen and rocks. It just wouldn't have been as pretty. <laughs> flowers are beautiful. It's God's art. It's what he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now I want to go back to this picture that we were looking at earlier. Check out the detail in the grass. You know what that grass is? You know what we call those? Weeds. That's the grass we don't even want around. We don't even like that grass. Look at the detail in it. Listen, if God cares enough to put that kind of detail in the weeds, I think he's got your problem covered. And that's what we learn from art. That's how we, like art gives us permission to experience that truth without just intellectually knowing it. Art offers a bigger picture of what God is like as we consider the the bigness of God. But art also, secondly, offers a doorway to approach God. Art gives us avenues to approach God that well, thanks. Thanks. I'll be here all week. Um, don't forget to tip your waitress. Uh, art gives us a doorway that allows us to approach God in ways that otherwise we wouldn't be able to. Look at Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. How do we approach the Lord? Joyful noise. What is that? What is that joyful noise? What's that supposed to look like? Mm, this this thing that we keep coming back to. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with what? Mm, that's art. That's art. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with art. It's art. Give him thanks and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Do you want that message to be true to your children's children's children? Your worship is how you set the stage for that to be true, and that's art. See, art gives us a doorway with which we're able to approach God in ways that logic and reason can't. It doesn't make logic and reason wrong. It doesn't mean we throw logic and reason away. It just means that we have to also understand the role of creativity and how we approach God. Third reason why we need art. Art reveals what truly moves and motivates us. Like it does. And that, that's something that often when you look at a piece of art, you will often not even know that it moves you until you see it. I want to show you a picture. The first time I saw this picture, I was deeply moved. Because I looked at it and I was like, I am the guy with the hammer and the nail. 
It's me. And I've seen this picture a lot over the last 15 years. Um, over time, what's been interesting is as I look at this picture more and more, what happens in me, and this is just in me, is that as I notice that it's not so much about the guy with the hammer and the nail, but it's about the Jesus that loves him enough to hold him up. That's just what I see, right? Now, that may not be what moves you. That's okay. It, this is art. What moves me is what moves me. What moves you is what moves you. It's okay. But art reveals what moves and motivates us. And we got to pay attention to that because when we get, a, when we get a, an emotional response that happens in us, we got to pay attention to that because that's God at work in our hearts. And now, last point, last point. Art refines what truly moves and motivates us. So it reveals what truly moves and motivates us, but it also refines what truly moves and motivates us. I want to show you another picture. When I was 18 years old, I would have looked at this picture and gone, wow, that's, that's really powerful. But the first time I saw this picture was right after our oldest child had been born. And it immediately brought me to tears. Because all of a sudden I was like, yeah. Like, I, I, I want to be that dad. I want to be that guy. And it was very moving to me. And what's interesting is this one and the last photo move me in much the same way. This, um, like, I have a role, a story to tell, a responsibility to live in the world a certain way. And, and I was talking about this on Thursday night, and then my wife and I went home, and she goes, you know, that, that's so interesting that that's what you said, because the, the pictures were connected for her too, but in a completely different way. For her, the pictures were both connected in the sense of, she said, I just felt this sense of like help. God, I need your help. And I was like, yeah, that's really good too. Like that's what art does. It's not about understanding it one way. It's about opening us up to a possibility of understanding life in a lot of different ways, all of them meaningful. And that's important. It's also unpredictable, and that's why the church doesn't necessarily love it. Because we can't boxificate that. It's a word we just made up for this morning. <laughs> we can't structure it. We can't control it. We can't doctrinalize it. We can't orthodoxize it. We can't do any of that. We have to just simply let the experience be what it is. And so the church has neglected artists over the years. Um, and I want to begin uh, this little piece by saying this. If you're here and you are a creative spirit and you have been like, I don't know where I fit in the church community, I, I want to say this. We were wrong for neglecting you. And I'm sorry that that happened. And I want to make it right. I don't know what all that looks like exactly, but one of the things that we want to do is we have this amazing big wooden wall, this big curved wooden wall out there in the front, right? And uh, so here's what I want to do. If you're an artist, you take pictures, you paint, um, you write poetry, you do uh, whatever, um, even sculpture, things like that. I, I want you to submit art 
for us and we will display it. And I have all kinds of ideas about that, connecting it to sermon series, having a library of art that communicates so that as people are walking from the front door to here, that they're not just getting from point A to point B, but that they're being able to experience a story as they move through our building, right? And, and that's, art tells this amazing story. So I want to do that. So I want you to submit that to me. I have two requirements for that. Number one, there aren't going to be any names attached to the art. Because this is not about making the artist's name great. Right? This is about helping us open up pieces of God's nature that we haven't yet experienced. And number two, I have absolute veto power over anything that gets submitted. And here's why. Because art, like sometimes people submit art and they're like, no, but you know, nudity is beautiful. Yeah, but probably not in a church setting, right? So, um, so no, no, we're not going to do that. Anyway, so I have veto power, but I want you to submit a lot, like whatever, whatever it is you can bring in art, you can email it to me, you can, whatever you want to do, you can send a link to a, like here's a website of my pictures or whatever. Um, I have ideas. I want to have the children's ministry paint pictures and draw, you know, do things for, for sermon series, things like just because because art is a piece of the nature of God. And therefore, it needs to be a piece of the nature of our community. And I'm not going to be the artist. So some of you have to be. Here's what I'm learning. Being okay with these different pieces of the church community isn't enough. At some point, we have to stand up and advocate for them. And, and so I have to, I want to advocate for the creatives in our community. And I want to say, I'm so thankful that you're here and that you have endured a community that didn't value your voice. Thank you for hanging in there with us. I want to work towards changing that. And with that in mind, we're going to move towards the Lord's table. Every week we take communion together. So if you're new with us, we have an open table. And what that means is anybody who's willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is invited to partake. But we want you to hold the elements till the end and we'll take them all together, okay? Um, while they're passing that out, I want to work through some implications for this message, okay? Implication number one. In order to experience the whole nature of God, we must experience creative expression, whether it's ours or that of others. Here's the deal. I am not good at creatively expressing myself. I'm not good at it. I really, 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 really want to be, but I, there are people that just have this picture in their head and they can just go make something look like it. I have a picture in my head and it looks like a bread twist. Like that's when I'm done with it, that's what it looks like. It's beautiful in my head. I can't, I can't take the image out of my head through my fingertips. I can't do it. Some people can. And in, and in ex allowing that expression in the community, I get to experience part of the nature of God that I don't otherwise get to experience. And that's important. Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't want 80% of God working in my life. I want 100% of God working in my life. Implication number two, God gave mankind art because he loves us. He gave us art and beauty and wonder and all of the things that are connected to it because he loves us and because it allows us to tell stories to other people about God's love with things that communicate far more than words ever could. Words are safe. Words are predictable. 
words get tired. And that leads me to my third implication. Creative expression finds new ways to give a voice to old ideas. Here's the funny thing that happens in churches over time. Like when you go to a church for lots of years, you can come into the church and kind of pretty much go, I can pretty much guess what the pastor's going to say before he says it. Because you've heard him preach uh, you've, you've heard the sermon, you've heard the game, you've heard, except for in our church, because people are like, I don't ever know what's going to come out of your mouth. Uh, like in an unsafe way. They don't, <laughs> um, they're like, you're not safe to listen to. I have to go to a different church. Um, whatever. I've heard that that's what people say. Nobody says it to my face. They say it to their small group. Um, so, This is what creativity can do. Creativity can take those, because there's not any, like the Bible's not getting rewritten. The ideas that are in the Bible are there and they're solid and they're foundational for us, but they're not going to change over time. Creativity gives us fresh ways to communicate these old ideas. And that's important because it keeps it interesting and keeps us engaged in it. Last implication, the church should be a trendsetter on great art rather than having to react to what's happening around it. There was a period in history where the church set the standard for it because people couldn't read. They didn't have, they could, they could have had the text all day long, but they didn't know how to read. So it wouldn't do them any good. So what they did was they painted pictures on the ceilings of their cathedrals. And they had these huge stained glass windows that all depicted stories of the Bible that told the story of what was going on so that people could learn the stories of the Bible. I'll tell you a funny story. So in August, I had this tremendous privilege. I was in Turkey scouting for this trip that we just did in June, which was amazing. Um, And it was just me and Marty and a guide. And we went to this area of Turkey, central Turkey called Cappadocia. Cappadocia looks like South Dakota minus the sagebrush. (laughs) Like it is brown and dry and flat. But what's interesting about Cappadocia is the rock there is sandstone. And so when the wind comes through, it erodes in these really interesting um, configurations and they're world famous. If you Google Cappadocia and hit images, some of the, some of the pictures that you'll find are breathtaking, but what it also creates is all these caves. And in those caves is where uh, a lot of Christians ran to hide when they were in um, religious exile. And they're saving their land. And what they began to do because they didn't have the Bible was that so as time goes on, so they don't lose the stories, they began to paint pictures on the ceilings of these caves to remember the stories. I met a guy, Marty and I had lunch with a guy who got his PhD on the cave art in Cappadocia. I was like, you know too much about cave art in central Turkey. I mean, it was something. It was something. Just listen to this guy talk. It was incredible. I mean, every hand position, not, not just the characters and the clothes they were wearing and the scenes that they're in, but their hand position, like which fingers were out and which ones were tucked and was their hand up or down or was it open or closed? Like all, it all told the story. It all communicated, right? Because we set the standard at one point in history. We set the standard for how art was to be done. Somewhere along the way, we abdicated our responsibility to show the creativity of God because we just gave it away. And I think maybe it's time for the church to take it back 
to make things that are beautiful and wonderful and inspiring and also pensive and hard and dark that communicate the truth, the truth of life. Because a relationship with Jesus is both. And in the midst of it all, this peace that passes understanding. One of the reasons why I love communion every week is because it's this, it's kind of a piece of art. Like it's this thing that Jesus left us. He didn't just want to tell us about how much he loved us. He wanted to show us and then give us this point at which we come back and remember how much God loves us every week. That reminds us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup and he said, this cup, it's a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to say thanks for how you inspire us to see more and more of your nature by stretching us into these worlds through creativity. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as a community of people to steward well the gift of creatives that you've given us. Lord, give us wisdom as we understand how to open up and set them free so that they can communicate the story that you've put on their heart. Lord, thank you for um, your son. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the fact that there is no place that we can't go that your love won't find us. God, thank you that your name is the name most high and that you are worthy of praise. In your name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com.